happy new year and welcome to the fifth episode of How Did Town Get On, where we'll have a look back at a very cold and, as a result, quiet December. Only two games to go through, but with a bit of improv and a well-timed supporters bulletin, we've got plenty to dig into. I'm here as usual with Glasgow's Lancastrian ambassador, David Hall. Hiya, Ryan. You OK? Good, thank you. And also here, none of the playing staff this month. However, I'm pretty sure we couldn't have found anyone who's seen more of Lancaster City this season. It's the voice of our commentary channel, Dolly Blue Sound, Craig Thompson. Hello, mate. Hi, Ryan. Good to see you. You too, mate. First touch for you, Craig, seeing as you're the only one here who was at Marine at the start of December. I'm going to ask you to take us through it. Marine's a good example of one of those games where you don't really know what to expect because we played them earlier in the season. We were there at the Marine Travel Arena and it was a nil-nil and there was nothing going on. You know, it was one of those, I like to say that uh, we have to send a search party out for some highlights but because either end, just no attacks. Uh, the only thing I remember really is the numbers on the fences where the ball was going over and then Sam Bailey, I think, had a fantastic sliding tackle. And it was one of those new 4G plastic pitches that hadn't quite been bedded in yet. The ball was going all over the shop and it was a drab nil-nil. Nothing happened at Marine, but uh, we posted a video of Sam Bailey's tackle. Yeah, that was it, wasn't it? So I sort of didn't know what to expect when uh, Marine turned up to Giant Axe. And it wasn't a great game for Lancaster, if we're honest. Again, it was another early goal. Uh, Sol Solomon uh, scoring for Marine. Uh, it just seemed like that's a bit of a theme for Lancaster. Uh, this season, we sort of need to go behind to then sort of wake up and start getting a bit about ourselves. It was Sam Waller, he cleared uh, Weir's effort to Solomon, uh, who finished from the edge of the box. And then half-time, we sent on Andrew Teague, who just returned uh, from that sort of gruesome facial injury, suffered against Stafford, I think it was Manpala. Uh, so he'd come on, and then, as you say, next thing, Jamie Mellon, two yellow cards in the space of about 60 seconds, and we're down to 10 men. Uh, Solomon scored his second uh, a couple of moments later, direct from a corner, uh, sort of disappointing for our defence. And then Dale Whittam, who's been a bit up and down this season. I think he took a bit of time to bed in, uh, but Cal Brownhill with the assist. And Cal's such a, such a great lad with a great attitude, uh, a really supportive family, and he's done fantastic for us uh, down the left. Uh, it's one of many assists that he's put in. And then Solomon won a penalty. It was uh, Lamine Torre uh, that I think gave it away. Uh, but both managers said afterwards that it was a great tackle. Uh, but uh, one that uh, referee Jacob Graham uh, decided was a spot kick. Uh, Solomon took it and skied it into Long Marsh Lane. And then, just as we thought we could get back into it, a sweeping counter-attack uh, with seconds to go. Uh, saw Connor Evans... Uh, the substitute for Marine uh, secure all three points for the visitors. I don't like to criticise referees. I hate criticising referees because it's a hard job and football needs referees at all levels. But uh, Jacob Graham on the occasion, 14 cards and there was nothing to referee in the game. It just seemed like every five minutes uh, a card came out for somebody. Christmas had come early uh, there in December, but it was a 3-1 loss uh, for Lancaster as we started December. And the irony was after that, in my interview with Mark Fell that we, we do for Facebook and social media, he's talked about the three subsequent games being on much better pitches, chances for us over at uh, Nantwich, Radcliffe uh, and Geisley. And of course, those were the three that were postponed. Uh, so we had all that time to wait uh, before we could get back to play at Bama Bridge. Yeah, I was just about to ask you, it gave a lot of cars that day. 
was he being kind of happy or was it about the right thing? But you've just about summed that up, really. And then if you fast forward a full 23 days until the next game, Bamber Bridge at home, one of the better derbies I've seen in the last couple of years. And because of that and the fact we've now got no other games to talk about, we are going to labour on it. It's going to sound like how did Brig get on for parts of this, but I can't help having learned and read about him, especially in the last year. Early on in the game, there was a lot of throwing around, a lot of getting involved where they didn't have to. Got a bit dull after half an hour because it was a really quiet atmosphere, actually. Then they score a soft goal. It looked like a good move, but it was too easy down our left-hand side. Sinclair Smith won the game for them last Christmas. He's outstanding. I don't know how cliched it is to suggest that if he was a bigger lad, he'd be higher up. We'll probably see in the next few years. Uh, we tried a lot of floating balls into the box. Pond and Wilson were heading them with their eyes shut. They were gobbling them up. Wilson, I don't know how he didn't get booked for that challenge on Brownhill. It was a shocker, at least booked. I'm just going to have a moment with my thoughts about Nathan Pond, because he's a joy to watch. I said after Atherton on Monday, I was jealous of our back three, because when they're running back towards their own goal, they're always happy to take a touch past the striker who's trying to nip in, generally play a, a knock down the line. It's talent I could only dream of. Allerton was really good at it on a Monday at Coles. Pond, however, is something else. As you might expect after 500 football league games, the 400 footy league games, Last year, he was just spraying it around under not much pressure. But this time at the Giant Axe, he was seeing crosses coming in. He was letting it roll across his body and then releasing some for a counter with one touch and a drop of the shoulder, two lads diving in. It was it was incredible to watch as a, as a lover of the defensive arts. Now, David, please talk about Lancaster. Just going back to what you said about the challenge on Brownhill and how easy it was down the left. It's all linked because we now don't have Cal Brownhill for the next two weeks through concussion protocols. But we started that game on Boxing Day with a back four. Now, obviously, it was a tactical switch and we looked a lot more comfortable in that four compared to the last time we did it, which was in the 6-3 away defeat to Morpeth, where it was a case of square pegs round holes. But we did counter their, um, their threat well at the back. I thought we were good for the three points. We had better chances throughout the game. And if the shenanigans for the penalty didn't happen... Would he have scored? What do you think, Craig, about that? From what, what was it like from your vantage point doing the commentary on that penalty? Well, Bama Bridge were straight out there. As soon as the penalty was given, they were not only surrounding the referee, but then their goalkeeper. It's Felix Gallard, isn't it? Uh, he formerly, of course, of, of our own parish. Uh, he was out there sort of scuffing up the penalty spot and it was just creating quite a long delay. And you always get a bit nervous when there's a, a long time between the penalty being given and then... Uh, Dale stepping up and taking it. Um, it was interesting. It, uh, one of the things we'll talk about is uh, the supporters' club uh, newsletter later on uh, would have not given it to Dale uh, with uh, the likes of Charlie Bailey on the pitch. But of course, we had so many of our penalty takers not in the team. Uh, thinking about Nick Evangelinos and Sam Bailey, who's been so good from the spot, and it did uh, smack of uh, gamesmanship from Bamber Bridge to just uh, surround the referee, get around the penalty spot, scuff it up. Uh, but to his credit, I have to say, Dale uh, remained calm all the way throughout. You know, just held the ball in his arm. And then uh, when he eventually did put it down, uh, it, was, it was a good save by the goalkeeper, you know, to give him credit. Uh, let's not uh, forget that. It wasn't missed. It was it was saved. I think that's quite an important point. I think Dale uh, felt a bit gutted afterwards, uh, having missed a, a great opportunity for him to get another goal uh, in December. And we mentioned before about the referee in the Marine game was very stop-start and card-happy. 
um, the referee on Boxing Day, uh, like too much go in the game and it ended up being a free for all after 65 minutes. And obviously when we scored, we had the, um, the drama of Paul Dawson thinking he'd been sent off. And then we obviously in the stands, not knowing what's going on, we thought McCauley, McCauley Wilson been sent off as well, but he was only going to get Paul. But in going back to Lancaster, the substitution of bringing on Dom Lawson was a game changer. When he came on, he was nuisance value to their defence. And for me, he should be the first name on the team sheet. Um, obviously, Craig, you've been to every game this season. What's it like seeing him come on this season? Because obviously he's made the big jump up from West Lancs to Northern Premier League. Well, it's one of the things that I've talked to Mark about because he has he's jumped up, I think it's four leagues. And that's quite an amazing jump. If you imagine in sort of professional football, so that's going from League Two to the Premier League, you know, that's sort of Jamie Vardy levels of uniqueness. Um, and even he obviously went through uh, various leagues before getting uh, to the top league. I think Dom is very much a focal point for us. Uh, I do think he probably he needs that player next to him uh, to get close, whether it is the likes of David Norris or Nick Evangelinos. Uh, but Dom has been uh, very much on the front foot and putting pressure on the defence. And I think that's something that you've got to do, especially, you know, you're talking uh, earlier, Ryan, about Nathan Pond. Players like that will enjoy time on the ball. And as soon as you've got a striker in their face, knowing that you're going to press and press as a team, I think it's all the more important. And we've seen in goalkeepers at, at our sort of level in the Northern Premier League, they do not like it at their feet. Having somebody like Dom is going to close down and going to be strong and big in the tackle. I think it's really important for us. And I've been really impressed with the way that he's just fit in. You know, ever since pre-season, he's just gone and uh, got about it. And you can't tell that he played at such a, a lower level in, with, with respect to the West Lancashire League before arriving at Lancaster. We saw a different side to Brig, probably because we were more in the game than we ever have been in recent encounters. Feli was saying in last week's bulletin that we'd worked him out, so they kind of resorted to it. I'd be interested to know if that was Milligan's doing, because he won't be daft. And uh, there was a lot of good players in that team, but whether it was a tactic, I don't know. I've not really got a problem with the dark arts, because I've condoned it from ourselves plenty of times over the years, but I'm not seeing it from them. Dawson, I thought he'd done well to last half an hour without getting booked. Um, and then I learned he didn't actually get booked at all. It was just that fake one, uh, that fake red card in injury time. Considering all the bollocks he was getting up to with the ref, I thought he'd been done for dissent when Sloan got booked. And then it was in the middle of that pantomime, which was Dale Williams' penalty. Not to labour onto the point of Dale Williams' penalty, but we were saying afterwards, it's like obviously Dale took a lot of the pressure. I think in future, he should have handed the ball on. Just as an example, Charlie, because Charlie's not had any of the um, of the pantomime, so he should have had a clear head. Onto something always prevalent but rarely discussed on any kind of platform. As some of you may know, there is a Lancaster City Supporters Club, but these days it feels just more like a concept than anything official. But there is a weekly supporters bulletin every Friday in which the writer will give their own opinion on what's recently happened and what's about to happen. There's notes from meetings with the directors a few times a season. We also hear what Feli has to say every week. Before Christmas, the bulletin questioned a number of initiatives that they'd learnt about at the AGM in the summer, many of which have been mooted by James Comiskey, who's sadly not been able to be involved for a while now. It was asking about growing match day support, growing match day income, match day catering, other income sources like the Gold Bond Lottery and growing community involvement. Now, the gist of it was, 
when are we going to hear anything about any of these making a difference to the income or when are we going to hear anything at all from the people who deal with the finances? This first email wasn't really the juicy part. It was the reply from new director Stuart Jackson who clearly felt obliged to have his say. I've no problem discussing it here because there's dozens of people in that email list. So his reply was, after apologising for not providing updates since the summer, he was stressing that he and the people around him are ultimately volunteers who put a lot of money in without expecting anything back, and that will come as no surprise to anyone watching this level of football. He did say, however, that at the moment there are plans in place commercially to help deliver more money, but this cannot happen overnight. He describes our finances as precarious, which does not sound good, but if I'm honest, I'm not at all surprised because they always have been, and after the last three years, who would expect anything different? Stuart says, gate money has not increased enough, Bar and commercial sponsorships have increased, but not enough. Sponsors' lounge bookings are higher than they've ever been, but we need more. With regard to community output, the progress is described as excellent, but unsurprisingly, that takes time to make a tangible difference financially. We as supporters have been urged to set our expectations at the right level as to what we can achieve, because the climate at the moment is difficult and it's only going to get harder. So that was the top and bottom of it. Might as well have read it out in full, but there we go. A couple of points from myself first before I ask you gents about it. With regards to expectations, I have no problem staying in this division and being happy about it. We can all dream of the Conference North and going up through the ladder, but look at the teams around us, look at some of the places we go, look at the money being thrown around us at levels way below us. We're a Northern Premier League club. There's nothing wrong with pushing for the top end of the league, but I'm not overly fussed as long as we're not floundering at the bottom of it. And second, I'm sure David will have something to say on this as well. There are 18,000 students in Lancaster. I've not made that up. 16 at Lancaster, two and a half at Uni of Cumbria. There's got to be a way of attracting 25 or 50 of them in. And those are the numbers I'm suggesting because we don't get any of them. We've been trying for years. Say all you want about the open days, standing in Alexandra Square, handing out leaflets. It doesn't do it. And it won't do it when we're charging £10 a head, even if that's a pie and a pint included. We get next to zero students in, so charge them next to zero, because what are we losing? And if someone with a far more entrepreneurial head could put me in my place, please do, because I don't see the problem with charging them a couple of quid. Attendances themselves, they're not going to see a surge of a few hundred unless we get to the first round of the FA Cup. I've seen it time and time again. Look at Marine. People don't know you exist until that happens. And there's an apathy towards the club in this city. I don't understand. I don't see changing unless we get a big televised cup run. And we're going to come to you first, Craig. So there's really, for me, there's kind of two elements here. The first is that I do expect the finances, as you say, to be, I probably wouldn't use the word precarious, but uh, I don't expect uh, Lancaster to be rolling in money, you know, given the attendances and given our position, you know, in the league structure. Secondly, the, Communication with the directors, I think, was a big focus uh, of the Sports Club Bulletin. And partly, I, I think that's quite fair. I don't think there's been a lot of communication from those uh, up at the top. Partly, of course, because uh, James Kumiski, as you mentioned, uh, has been very unwell uh, in the first six months of the season. Um, and has been unable to do, I think, a lot of the things that he expected uh, for himself to do. Uh, when he sort of first came in, I believe at the start of 2022. So it would be good to get a little bit more direction uh, from from our directors, um, who are of course the, new themselves 
You know, uh, Stuart Jackson has only come in this season. Uh, I think Dave Evans has been involved in the club before, but has come back uh, along with Amy Evans, uh, joining the likes of uh, Andy Baker and James. So to get more from them, I think, would be a, a positive step. Uh, but as you say, uh, one of the things that we should really be looking at is the community engagement. I think Dave Evans has done some really good work with the younger fans uh, before Christmas, and it's just then aiming it at a, a higher market in terms of, well, an older market in terms of the university students, because to get them in, I think Giant Axe would be bouncing with, uh, as you say, you know, 50 to 100 students who are around uh, of a weekend. I think that would be a real positive. David, what have you got for us? Obviously, um, I'm sure many people know I do some of the media work and help with some of the design. I do think promotion at the universities is poor. I have gave ideas and they went with the one for the Marine game. I'm not afraid to say it. It was appallingly advertised. I pulled a favour with someone who works at the Sugar House and got it on the screens there. I think that was the only advertisement for that offer. Um, you literally need to commandeer the number four on a Saturday, the quarter past two off the uni, and you literally just get students saying, look, there's a game on, here's a leaflet, this gets you in for two quid and gets you a drink for two quid, something like that. <laughs> what does Peter, Peter Case say, Brian Potter on face like, get them in and get them spending. We don't get anyone in for seven quid. We ain't going to get anyone in for 10 quid with a pint of pint. But I think there is a fear of, with Lancaster in general, that, oh, it's all, it's all, you all do things for students, forgetting we've just literally handed out £10,000 worth of discounts to every school child in Lancaster. So we've got the younger generation covered. People like our age, Ryan, I don't think that could be expanded anymore because any new fans are playing football on a Saturday. So, yeah, there's a money pit in these universities and I think as a club it could be better. David, what have you got for us, mate? Uh, two things. Uh, we'll start with um, Lancaster City Ladies Player of the Month. It was a combined November-December because they, they played three games. Um, standout performer was Steph Reavy. So she has been awarded Player of the Month for November and December. Uh, we will continue to sponsor uh, the Lancaster City Ladies Player of the Month trophy. And we will round off today's podcast with a quiz. Five questions each. We'll let Craig go first because he's a guest. Odd numbers or evens? I will take even numbers. Fantastic. I'll keep score, don't worry. Your first question is, which trialist scored two goals in a pre-season friendly against Gemsdale United, eventually signing for the club? Dom Lawson. Correct, it is Dom Lawson. How many goals has Kayla Young scored for the Lancaster City Ladies this season? I'm going to say 14. Do you know what? It's 21. How many players have been in goal for Lancaster City this season? You can have some working out time for this. I think it's five, six if you count Max in pre-season. I've not counted pre-season, so it is five. This season? Five this season. Jordan Easton, Curtis Anderson, Sam Bailey, Tom Donaghy and Sam Waller. Oh my God, we're shambles, aren't we? Right, your fourth question, Craig. Previous guest of this podcast, Nick Evangelinos, is our top goal scorer with seven. How many of these goals have come whilst wearing the purple third kit? I'd guess 
Two. <laughs> you are well off, mate. Six. Three against Morpeth in the trophy. And one against Berry, Mask and Hyde United. And your last question. Dale Whittam scored the winner at Whitby Town. And his song to Wigfield, Saturday Night, was born. What nationality is Wigfield? I mean, this isn't a Lancaster question. <laughs> I, I want to say something like, it's, it's going to be Scandinavian, isn't it? Swedish? Oh, it is Scandinavian, but it is in fact Danish. So that's two. So you need to get three right, Ryan. That was harsh, that last one. <laughs> Very harsh. We started the season at home to Nantwich. Who scored our opening goal of the season? Charlie Bailey. Correct, Charlie Bailey. Highest attended game so far at home this season is 591. Who was this against? Oh, no. Oh, Berry. It was Berry. Who has been awarded player of the match the most this season? Sam Bailey. It's now Cowperthwaite. Same bloke, aren't they? Same bloke. Who scored the winning and first goal for the club in the FA Trophy against Gainsborough? Is this two answers? No. Say that again. Who scored the winning and their first goal for the club in the FA Trophy against Gainsborough? Oh, no. Evangelino scored and Sloan scored. I will be devastated if you didn't get this because I've been able to answer all your questions so far. Oh, <laughs> he scored the first goal. I'll push it. Well, the first goal is not the winning goal, is it? Oh. So, whoever scored the winning goal, it was their first for the club. Five. Sloan. Yep. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, it's all right. that. Was that his first goal? Yeah. Oh, God. Last question. Disclaimer. This was calculated using quickest route via Google Maps. Starting from Giant Axe, what is the longest trip the Dolly Blues have made so far this season, not including pre-season? Morpeth Town. Incorrect. It's Gainsborough Trinity at 142 oh, miles. I forgot we played them away. Morpeth is 128 miles for reference. So, scores on the doors. Uh, Craig, you got two right. Ryan, you got three. Happy days. Well done, Ryan. I'm Thank you. I'm not sure which was an easier set there. Yours was the easier set, mate. Yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? Sound. Well, I think we've done well to get what we can out of 180 minutes of football in December. We're unbeaten in 2023 after the draw at Coles. We've got an important month coming up. And to be honest, we need about nine points out of 15. Anything else would be lovely. Thank you very much, Craig. What time can we hear you on Dolly Blue Sound from? On the Saturday, usually it's about 20 to 3 we go on air. Uh, and from there, we've got the usual preview, Son of Jack tracks, and then we go into the live match commentary. And who knows, I may even get a goal scorer right this week. We live in hope. And thank you, Dave. No, thank you, Ryan. Thank you. We'll see you all in February. Thanks, lads.